is going to be happening soon. Welcome to church this morning, everyone. How are you? Good. Is anybody thankful for the rain? Now that we're in September, come on. I love fall fashion. Is anybody else? Fall fashion? I see a couple of plaid shirts in here this morning. Fall fashion. Sweater weather? The best weather. That's my opinion. Whatever. <laughs> can, uh, can, we get the, um, can we get an amen for that? Anybody? No. Okay. It's been a little while. I haven't been here on a Sunday in a little while, and that's because I've been on vacation. But most importantly, we were at Nanus Bay Pentecostal Camp, the greatest camp that's on Vancouver Island. I just want you to know. But, hey, just saying for my friends in the back row. um, But we were at Nanus Bay Camp. It was an amazing opportunity to, to just bring the gospel to the students of Vancouver Island and beyond. We actually had a new um, youth ministry from uh, CLCC in Abbotsford that joined us, and they were the biggest group. Uh, and proudly, I can say, it was Noah Reed, one of our own students that has graduated from our church, went off to ministry, and then was able to be at. So that's a, a unique, cool opportunity for me. Uh, but it was a, a, an amazing weekend at camp. We had over 160 students, and we had over 70 volunteers and families uh, there at the camp. And so thank you, uh, because there's a large number of you who have volunteered, thank you for being a part and partnering with us at the New Spay Camp. There's a lot of camps that happen on the island, and you need to realize that this is the first time in a while that a lot of students have been able to be together in this kind of context, and experience Jesus in a new and real way. And so I love camp ministry, period, um, but I'm super thankful that that I had the opportunity to do that. Now, I have a highlight video for you. It's a a two-minute video from our first day uh, that just gives you a synopsis of kind of stuff that we do at Nanus Bay Camp. So uh, go ahead and watch that video.
Like I said, it was, <laughs> yeah. come on. It was the first time we had the opportunity to be together in this kind of capacity. And so uh, I, if you didn't know, I am the director to our highs camp, our senior teen camp. Uh, and so I felt a, a specific responsibility to give our students a good experience, just with games, fun, stuff like that. But then, also, there is a uh, responsibility to give them the gospel and to give them an experience with Jesus that they may not have had in a while. And so I, I take my role as the director of the camp pretty uh, greatly. And I love our students, and I love having fun, and I, and I love the fact that we were able to worship together. Um, and so it was great. And now that, uh, that I get to preach this morning, I, I reflect on camp. I reflect on what we did. I reflect on the relationships built. I reflect on um, the sports and the chapel sessions and all these things. And I get to start to think about, you know, I've been in youth ministry now for almost 10 years. And I get to start to think about uh, the retreats and the camps and the history makers and all these things that I've got to be a part of. And one thing that I love about camps and retreats is witnessing students have the desire to grow in their relationship with the Lord. Like if it wasn't for people wanting to grow in their relationship with the Lord, I don't know how much of a camp experience I would like to be a part of. I do it because I like to see people give their lives to Jesus, simply. And I've noticed this one thing in the last nine years, eight years, whatever it's been, that I've been in ministry. As people get closer to God, they have the desire to confess their sins. I find every single time I, I, I lead a retreat or a camp, I have people, students, that come up to me and tell me about their previous year. They tell me about relationships that they had and decisions that they made, and they start to express their feelings of those things and say, I want to leave that behind, and I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. In fact, I was that kid at camp. I remember uh, going to News Bay camp, and I was an avid cigarette smoker. And I remember being the kid that broke them and threw them in the trash <laughs> because I wanted to, to be with Jesus. And I didn't think he wanted that part of my life. And so I would throw things away in order to grow closer to God. And I find that happens every single year at camp. Sometimes with the same students, sometimes with different ones. But we have the innate responsibility, or we have the innate desire, sorry, to, to confess our sin in these moments. And I think, why, why is that the way that it is? Why do we want to confess our sin? when we're getting closer to God? Is it because we, we think He doesn't want that in our lives? Is it because we want accountability in our lives? Is it because we want to admit denial of ourself, denial of our selfishness? Why do you think it is that we do that? Is it for the accountability? Is it a weight being lifted? I think the answer simply is yes. I think there's something about getting closer to God. God and sin do not mix. And so as we get closer to God, the sin and the confessing of sin becomes so much more prevalent in our lives. And so I get this morning to talk to you about 
the idea of confessing our sin to one another. The idea that if you want to have a deeper relationship with God, maybe confessing your sin is something that we need to do. Confessing your sin to, to other people, towards, to, to God. If you want to have a deeper relationship with God, maybe that's something to do. So I would highlight one point, although there's a couple, one point. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, confessing your sin needs to become vital. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Wow. James is encouraging us to express our dependence on God. He contends that through confession and prayer, there can be healing that takes place. Now, some theologians, some Bible scholars, some individuals that study this stuff would would say that James is talking about physical healing. You know, prayer can bring physical healing to you. Confess your sin, pray, there could be physical healing, which absolutely is true. Others would say in this particular portion of Scripture that it's talking about uh, spiritual healing. Confess your sins, pray for one another, and there could be some healing of discouragement or spiritual weakness. In either case, whether it's this side or this side, what James is saying is you need to confess your sin, you need to have prayer in your life because there is power in prayer, in confession. But not only that, there is an importance when we read this scripture, there's an importance of accountability, there's an importance of relationship. See, James is saying, confess your sins to one another. You do that within relationship. You do that for accountability. And so James is contending this morning in this Bible, also this morning, that it is important to have accountability and relationship for those who are in faith. I would find that God has designed us to have relationship. I've mentioned this a few times, but over uh, the last year, I talked to people, what is the one thing you miss most during lockdowns and certain things? I miss people. I miss relationship. We're all designed for relationship. That's why there's so many clubs out there, like badminton or lady soccer, or these are just things that happen here. Four by four communities, hunting and fishing and You know, these are all just things I subscribe to. Uh, But there is a reason why there are so many different communities for us to be involved in. Because I believe God has made it so that we desire relationship. But relationship is important with accountability. And so James is saying, confess your sins to one another. And then pray for one another. And there are two major keys that I want to bring to you this morning when I look specifically at James chapter 5, verse 16. And those two things are our need for community and our need to recognize the sin that is in our lives. And that seems pretty simple, recognize the sin that's in our lives. But so much harder. So, the need for community. I believe... We are all called 
to have accountability in our lives. The Bible calls us to walk with one another in this journey of faith, in this journey of life. The Bible tells us that we need to continue to walk with each other. There's a portion, a couple of portions of scripture that I'll read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each, uh, one another up just as you are doing. Love one another. Encourage one another. You do that within relationship. Build each other up. I can't build you up if I don't know what I'm building up. So relationship is key. Romans chapter 12 verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Do life together. Walk with one another. That one is one of the more pivotal scriptures in my life and my ministry. Rejoice, celebrate with each other, but also mourn and weep with those who weep. Jesus, break my heart for what breaks yours and open my eyes to the things that you see is often my prayer. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, good deeds, relationship. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Now, this is my favorite part of this. Outdo others. All right, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo. So it's like, don't be, don't be overshadowed by someone else's honor. Just like, be honor them more than, I know, it's crazy. It's, it's just like a battle back and forth. Maybe it's the competitor in me. So it's clear to me when I read these scriptures, that James is right on the money. He's hit the nail on the head when he says, uh, confess to one another. He's basically saying, hey, confession is a very powerful thing. Prayer is a very powerful thing. Those things go hand in hand, but also it goes within community. Let me be pretty clear here, though, first. When we confess our sin to one another, It's only Jesus that can heal me of my sin. It's only Jesus that can really forgive me for my sin. It's only Jesus that can bring freedom from sin. However, what's important to note is that when I confess sin to you or I have a relationship with you, you might be able to point out the sin that's in my life within relationship. I'm not just walking around telling, you're doing this wrong and you're doing that wrong. But what it's saying is I, I, I might... I might need you to point out what I maybe don't yet see in my life. See, James instructs believers who are struggling with sin to seek faithful and trusted brothers and sisters in Christ who intercede for them. Intercessory prayer is important. It's an important piece in our church as well. If you go on our website and go to the prayer section, you can punch in your prayer. That prayer comes to our pastors, and then uh, with your permission, we give it to our our intercessory prayer groups. And so if you were to go on our website and request prayer, there's people praying for you. We know that it is important. James is not suggesting that we just confess our sin carelessly and blatantly to the world, but to mature believers who will support and provide spiritual and practical guidance. We have a a staff member here at the church. And, and this individual, I find, is, is pretty decent at, 
at recognizing the sin in their life or recognizing moments of potential sin. And so uh, I've had many conversations with this staff member, and this staff member has uh, come up to me the next day and say, oh, James, like we were talking yesterday, and I said this, and maybe I shouldn't have said that. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I, I, I didn't know. Um, didn't phase me. But this individual is good at reflecting and taking account for what they're saying, what they're doing, what they're thinking, and they come back and they say, I'm sorry. They confess their sin. I find it so good that this person seeks guidance, seeks forgiveness, seeks reconciliation. But the reality is, for the majority of us, we're actually kind of afraid of doing that. (laughs) We're afraid of seeking guidance. We're afraid of seeking forgiveness and reconciliation because it could, it could be burdensome. It could be like, hey, maybe I'm unworthy of that person's forgiveness or, or maybe that person's going to judge me for the things that I've done or said. Or it, it all of a sudden becomes maybe a little bit intimidating to confess our sin. Maybe th- that person or this group of individuals is going to look down upon me. So I got to look like I have it all together. Let me tell you that the true love of Jesus Christ comes with no condemnation at all. That he loves you and forgives you and cares about you. And confessing our sin and asking for prayer can be absolutely stretching. It can be intimidating. It can be uncomfortable and tiring. But it's worth it. And it's powerful. And it's rewarding. In Proverbs chapter 17, or 27, verse 17, it says, As uh, iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. It's very classic uh, scripture. What it's saying here is for us to, to be together, we will sharpen one another. The image is that interaction with people, both as they encourage us and correct us, It hones us. It sharpens us. It makes us better. And it gives us a skill in handling uh, challenges as well as building character when we have relationship with one another. I think it's crucial, vital, that you would gather people around you that bring accountability into your lives, that bring accountability into your sin or into your faith or into that bring accountability into you. And so I would say that if you do not have individuals holding you accountable, not just yes men that just agree with everything and be like, ah, it's all good, you can get better, but people who are saying, hey, that's a little off base, maybe direct it this way. If you don't have people in your lives that can do that, we have connect connect groups starting here at our church again uh, very soon. And if you'd like to get involved in a connect group or join a connect group or host a connect group or a whole different set of connect group stuff, uh, Pastor Tyson would love to talk to you. Or you can go to callwoodchurch.com and we'll get you connected. Because being connected and having relationship is important to our spiritual growth. As I said at the beginning, if you want to get closer to God, there are some things you need to walk away from. Simply. And these connect groups are accountable communities that love you and want the best for you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 to 10 says, two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. For if they, if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and, no, and has not another to lift him up. 
It's good for us to be in community. I, like, specifically have a picture of Peter in the water when he starts to sink, and he says, Jesus, help me, and Jesus picks him up. It's better together. Instead of just sinking by himself with no one around, that could have been awful. But two are better than one. It's good for us to have community. It's good for us to have people to walk alongside of us. Now, the important thing for us to keep in mind is that we are called to confess our sin. And in order to confess our sin, we need to actually recognize it. One of my favorite portions of Scripture is this conversation in Psalm chapter 32. And, and it says, uh, when, I kept si- when I kept silent, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day. My strength was dried up as the heart of summer. When I kept silent, life began to suck. <laughs> Refusing the practice of confession, the psalmist's silence bore a heavy grief upon his life, and he was listless, depressed, and physically tormented. But the pain of those things finally succeeded finally went away when he confessed his sin. It says that in in Psalm 32, verse 8. Look it up. When he finally recognized that there was sin in his life, that he wasn't as good as maybe he thought he was, the, the pain and stuff went away when he realized there was sin that needed to be addressed. How often is that us, that we're just standing there with this grief or this burden or this pain or this heaviness, but we're also standing there holding on to unconfessed sin. The psalmist here is saying that it is God who sets me free, not me. Now, growing up, I used to really enjoy uh, Saturday morning cartoons, and uh, I would eat my honeycomb cereal, and I would uh, watch Saturday morning cartoons, and I liked all the classics, like, uh, you know, Bugs Bunny and uh, and uh, the Roadrunner, and like, I really liked Elmer Fudd. I just thought he was hilarious. And I'm pretty sure it was Elmer Fudd that I have this picture of, but he's like shaking on the gate. Like he's shaking on the prison bars, and he's like, let me out of here, or whatever he's saying. Like, I need out of here. And then uh, the camera, except for it's a drawing, so but pretend, camera pans out. <laughs> and Elmer Fudd's like, shaking away, I want out of here. But uh, there's no bars to his right, and there's no bars to his left. It's just what's right in front of him. All he had to do is take a step, and he's free. <laughs> like, I just think it's hilarious. But how often is that us? Is that there's a prison that we seem like we're in. And we're standing there, and we have this unconfessed sin, and we have this grief, this, this hurt, this pain, this heaviness holding us, and we're prisoned by it. And all you have to do is take a step sideways, and walk in freedom. And that step that you need to take is repentance. It's confessing your sin. You don't have to stand in the jail anymore when you could just take a step into freedom. Sometimes you are your own jailer. Can I... um, can I just be maybe just a hair controversial for a second? 
Is that okay? <laughs> I, um, it seems like, at least in this modern world that we're living in, that very, very few Christians are practicing confession in a specific way in their daily life. Now, that's a pretty bold statement. At least in my context, I see far too many people not wanting to confess their sin because they're too busy justifying it. Like, I can, I can make up excuses of why I got angry, why I thought it was okay to be aggressive with my kids. I could make up excuses on why I sped to work and broke the law. I can make up excuses all day long of the things that caused me to sin. I can also maybe unjustifiably say that most of my sin is circumstantial or situational or to say external. It's your fault I sin. If you weren't the way that you were, I wouldn't have to be angry. <laughs> That's a joke. I love you all, okay? <laughs> but how often is that true? In a lot of different situations in our life. If they weren't like this, if they weren't like this, if this didn't happen, if that wasn't the way that it is. And we justify our sin because we externalize it or we blame circumstances or situations. But the thing is, that's an absolute danger to our society and to modern Christianity. The danger is projecting our struggles and shortcomings onto other people or other things. That's the danger. I think my challenge to you this morning, would I would ask you to practice more ownership. I would act, ask you to practice more recognizing your sin. Because I believe it's important to question our motives. It's important to question our desires and our actions. Like the individual on staff that says they come to, to work and, hey, I, I, I was thinking through what we were talking about yesterday. They were questioning their own desires, thoughts, and motives. Maybe we need to do that more. Maybe I need to question why I think it's important for me to get to work faster and put other people's safety at risk. Or maybe why I think it's okay to get to the level of anger that I did. I think we need to question ourselves more rather than project on others. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 to 24 says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed by the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true, true righteousness and holiness. We are to chase after the renewal of our minds. Chase after putting off our old self, our deceitful desires, the things that we think, the things that we say. Put those off and chase after the renewal of your minds. Now this is a continual, every single day thing. Or a reflective thing, to put off the old self. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Oh, okay. Who can understand it? 
I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. This confession thing, it brings us to a point of saying, Lord, I trust you. Examine my heart. Examine my mind. Again, open my eyes to the things that you see. Lord, help me put off the sin. This confession thing brings us to the point of saying, Lord, only you know me. Show me the things I need to renew and let go of. So my hope for you is that you would put off your old self, continuing, continually letting go of what ensnares you and separates you from God. Because at the end of the day, sin is what separates us from complete relationship with God. And so as we put off the sin, we get closer to God. You want to be closer to God in these moments of your lives? Maybe start confessing sin. James's command for us is as much as it is for his original readers. The church, I believe, would be far better if we started to practice confession of our sins and we started to pray for one another. After all, James does write, prayer works. Prayer will bring healing. And the confession of a sin, our sin is admittance that God is greater than we are. Confessing sin to one another helps us see past ourselves. And it helps build community with one another and that we are in need of a Savior. Confessing sin is vital to a spiritual growth. If you want to get close to God, confess your sin. If you want relationship with God, confess your sin both to him and maybe put community around you that can talk to you and guide you. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you would like a greater relationship with God. I would say first start with the confessing of the sin and saying, God, I need more of you. Stand with me as I pray, please. God, we recognize that it is only you that can bring us freedom. God, we recognize that it is you that can bring us healing. And so, Lord, I pray that you would have your way in our hearts and our minds and show us the things that we need to let go of. Lord, help us have a clean mind, a new mind that is focused wholly and solely on you and your promises. Lord, we pray that you would work in the lives of those around us. Lord, I pray that you would put people into our lives that can bring community, that can bring clarity, and that can bring love and mercy. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, if you uh, would like to know more about Jesus, or maybe you're new here, you can see Pastor Tyson in the Welcome Center over there. But before you go, church, I'd like to read you something. This past Wednesday... My family lost an absolute legend of faith. Mabel Jennings, my grandmother, known as Fanny. She loved the Lord and served Him diligently. She was kind, caring, and loving. Mabel was a warrior of faith who had many loving conversations with many people. Her legacy of faith actually runs deep with individuals that she has impacted and led to the Lord. There are people in this church that she has led to Jesus. One specifically is my father-in-law, who went on 
in the ministry and has, a la- has had a lasting impact on the kingdom. I can confidently say that if it wasn't for God's grace through John and Donna's relationship with God and the way they have mentored and guided me, I would not be on this stage this morning. So, through the lives impacted, such as John's, Mabel's grace and love lives on. My hope for you, church, is that you would not take for granted the moments the Lord has placed in front of you. Cherish relationship. Exalt the Lord and trust Him with conversations and situations. Hand over your lives. Trust Him with His grace and walk in mercy. I love you, church. Have a great week. We'll see you for breakfast next week at 9 a.m. We'll see you later.